BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I am really excited for today's episode. Matt is such a sweetheart and he's really been through so much. He's a real guy, like a real person who has lived and his book is really incredible. I really suggest that you pick it up. Pretty sure I just said really 500 times, but I mean it. And I'm actually sitting in our VRBO rental in Nantucket. And I'm here with a lot of my friends, a bunch of different couples from BU where I went to school. And it is so much fun. And I highly recommend everyone visit Nantucket if you haven't. It's like, I didn't really know what to expect, to be honest with you. I was like, oh, like it seems a little stuffy. It is the most laid back place. It's like so accessible, you know, I mean, if you're coming from Boston or like you can fly from New York and it's just so cute. Everyone here is so nice and like funny and it's like kooky, you know, really loving it here. And it's funny because last night, like my friends got pretty drunk and like as they should, you know, they're on vacation. And as many of you know, I'm sober. And I was saying to my boyfriend, like, when everyone's like fucked up, it's so fun for me. Like I feed off of it, you know? And like, because I have energy naturally, like I'm like dancing with everyone and like laughing with everyone. And it's really, really fun. So it's like, if you're ever worried about being sober, like you're still going to be fun. Like you just have to lean into it. And like, it's like, I got to have fun with everyone last night and I didn't have to wake up hungover, you know, like that's the difference. And So I just highly recommend it. I'm going to answer a few of your questions and then we'll get right into map. Oh, actually, I want to do a little debrief. Someone asked me to do a little debrief on the author of Why Men Love Bitches. Yeah, I mean, Sherry had a lot of things to say that I agreed with and a lot of things to say that I didn't agree with. I don't feel like if you have like one bad relationship in your 20s, you're ruined. Or like if you post a sexy picture on Instagram, like that's the end of you. Like not at all. I think, you know, of course she's a little older and like not in the Instagram age. I think you can always post hot pictures of yourself as long as you're doing it for the right reasons, like for yourself or, you know, every now and then you want to get someone's attention. Fine. Whatever. Do you like live your best life? 
And I think we've all been in shitty relationships in our 20s. And if they ruined us, then like, where would we be? You know, that's not really fair to say. So I definitely don't agree with that. And I hope you guys know that and don't feel discouraged if you have been in a bad relationship, if you've ever sent a nude. I mean, everyone has sent a nude. Like, it's not the end of the world. God forbid something happens to you like it happened to me. It would be shitty, but, you know, just be safe and be smart. And I will agree, though, that, like, if you really want someone's attention, like, go silent on social. Um, Somebody asked, how many of my rules did my boyfriend initially follow and did he break any? So for anyone who doesn't know the rules, we have a highlight of them on our Instagram and we have rules for guys, too. And I'll just go over them with you. It's plan the date if you asked her on it. Don't be lazy. Don't send unsolicited dick pics. Stop lying about your height. Be a gentleman. Hold doors for her. Walk on the dangerous side of the road, etc. Do not order for her. Ask questions on dates. If you want her to be your girlfriend, you have to ask. Say I love you first. Get her flowers. Make sure she orgasms. Text to make sure she got home safe. Or he, you know, whatever. Don't ghost. Don't wait until 4 p.m. to confirm the day of. Always confirm before 2 p.m. Initiate texts. Don't ask, should I come up when you walk them home? No means no. Compliment us. Don't make sexual jokes before sex has been had. Do not brag about money. Make the date convenient for her, not you. Go to therapy and always show up in a good mood. I would say, so our first date was on a Saturday at 3 p.m. And he didn't confirm until like, I want to say 11 a.m. that day. But like we hadn't, no, maybe it was like 12 p.m. And so that was cutting it kind of close because it was like three hours before the date. But luckily I was like, you know what? I texted our mutual friend, the one who went to high school with him. And I was like, should I give him another chance? And she was like, yeah, just like, just, you know, this for today. And I ended up sending him an emoji a gif actually of if you've ever seen Billy Madison, the guy who hates Billy from like back in the day crosses his name off of a list and is like, like a hit list. So I kind of sent that gif and it was funny and he laughed and then I gave him another chance. Um, and we went on the date and I'm really grateful we did. Are the rules for a relationship only or can they be for casual too? I think they can be for casual too, but they are meant to be for someone who's looking for a real relationship and like something more serious. If you're casual, I feel like it's a different set of rules. Like if you're casual, you're dating other people. Well, same with, you know, the other rules, but you are like allowing, like you're okay with them dating other people. And you obviously don't say like, I love you because you're casual, you know? Like I'm thinking like a friend with benefits or like an arrangement like that. You definitely don't need to follow the same rules, but like you should still be respectful of one another. I think there's actually a different set of rules for friends with benefits and I will make sure to discuss that or highlight that if it's not already highlighted. But essentially just like be respectful of one another. When I had a friend with benefits, I liked for him to come to me but whatever you're comfortable with. Sparks versus checking boxes. This is interesting. I feel like sparks are way more important than checking boxes, but there are some boxes that do need to be checked. And this is like goes back to the activity that I feel like is so important of writing what you need versus what you want, because what you need are the only boxes that matter. What you want is like, oh, 
an Ivy League school and like over six feet, you know? But what you need is like someone who understands your sense of humor and has the same one, you know, someone who's kind, that kind of thing. So I feel like if I had to choose one though, Spark is way more important than checking boxes. The best way to sniff out a compatibility on a dating app. I think just by being your full self, like going really into the conversation with your personality as if you would be texting with a girlfriend or, you know, a guy friend, like just being you and not being afraid to like say something weird. That's really when the real compatibility like shows through, I think. Cheating and if all men do slash want to, or are there actually loyal men out there? There are 100% loyal men out there. I think the whole cheating thing honestly is more obvious than people think. Like, for example, if they were in like a secret society in college and they do like meetups and they don't answer their phone during those meetups, you know what I'm saying? Like, or if their friends are cheaters or their friends are into like sex workers and they hang out with those friends a lot, like there's like cheating is more obvious than you'd think, Um, at least for me, because like I'm so fucking on the ball. Like, I don't think anyone would be able to get away with it. But I think you kind of know like if someone's a good person or they're not a good person. I think it's also like what they came from. Not always, right? Like if somebody came from like a cheating home, like they may want to do the complete opposite. But sometimes like they think that it's more okay, I think. And so I think what's really important is to just see who they surround themselves with and how they have a sense of how they act when you're not around. But like if you have to spy on them or have anyone watch them, then like trust is an issue to begin with. I just would never date anyone who could potentially cheat on me just after having dated so many people who had in the past. I just feel like I would never in a million years question my partner. And it's because like I've like heard good things about him. Like for example, when we were first dating, a mutual friend of ours was like, oh, he was like going on a bachelor party with my now boyfriend and I was like I think after the party I was like how was how was he like how was that and he was like he literally like is so crazy good like you're so lucky or you know something like that and like it wasn't a guy who like had to lie about that it was just you know really reaffirming and I think if like you've ever heard anything negative or shady or sketchy about the person you're dating then it's like okay maybe they are someone who cheats or isn't 100% loyal. So I think Matt to transition is someone who is very loyal and I'm excited for you to hear what he has to say. I had no idea what to bring or pack when I came to Nantucket last week. So I was just like, you know what? As long as I have my jewelry that I love, I can dress up any outfit. So I brought all of my new Ana Luisa pieces. And if you haven't already heard of Ana Luisa, it's really amazing jewelry that starts at just $39. Nice, amazing new jewelry collections are released every single Friday. So you don't have to go one week without a new piece if you're the kind of person that likes getting yourself jewelry, which I certainly am. And the pieces are gorgeous. Like they have this amazing chain necklace. It's called Mish and it has a beautiful like green little stone at the bottom of it. They've got 
a set, like a necklace that looks like a lot of necklaces. That's just one. It's called Michelle set. I'm obsessed. So whether you're getting a layered necklace or a regular one, earrings, bracelets, whatever it is, Anna Louise's prices are incredible. And they're also carbon neutral. So like, why would you not check it out? If you go to shop.analuisa.com slash Acme Sun, you can get 20% off with their summer sale. But hurry because summer is obviously ending soon. So go to shop.analuisa.com slash Acme Sun. It's spelled A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. Shop.analuisa.com slash Acme Sun. I think you're going to really love their pieces. Never in my life, I have to tell you, have I been so obsessed with smoothies. I don't know what it is. I think maybe because it helps my digestion, like it just gets me going and I need that. But smoothies are just doing it for me right now. And one of the reasons that I love Daily Harvest is because I don't even have to like get all the ingredients and prep for a smoothie. They send me the smoothies, I put them in my freezer, and then I just immediately, you know, make them. And it takes two seconds, like literally minutes to prep. And I know that the smoothies I'm eating are good for me. They're not just like made at a store with a bunch of sugar. I personally am obsessed with the mango and papaya right now. I would never eat papaya if not in this smoothie. Like I just don't even know how I would come across it. Mango I'm obsessed with and the combination is divine. I also really like their chocolate and blueberry. Like who knew a chocolate and blueberry smoothie could be good for you. They also have an acai and cherry and like they're just so good at knowing what combinations work because yum. They also have ice cream, which is like an amazing healthy dessert, especially if you know that it comes from Daily Harvest. And Daily Harvest is really just an amazing company because they're focusing on increasing biodiversity. They're investing in organic farming practices, reducing food waste, and they're even prioritizing recyclable and compostable packaging. So definitely try their smoothies before it's too late. They're the perfect cool off for the summer and you just pop them in your freezer until you're ready. Get more time back to do you and take care of yourself this summer by going to dailyharvest.com and entering code ACME to get $25 off your first box. That's code ACME for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. Dailyharvest.com. Check it out. As a parent, do you ever wish someone could just whisper some realistic and trustworthy support in your ear? and not make you feel awful for not having all the answers? Well, that's what I'm here for. I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman, developmental psychologist, parent educator, clinical professor, and I'm a mom. My goal is to make your parenting journey less overwhelming and a lot more joyful. Please join me every Friday for new episodes of Raising Good Humans. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with author of Sway, Matthew Bocci. Hey, can I call you Matt? You can call me Matt. Yep. What's going on? Not too much. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you on. It's very rare that we have a a guy who seems like a normal, really good guy. So, I mean, I don't want to make judgment calls. We don't know. You could be, you know, you could have some stuff up your sleeve, but um, it's great to have you on. Yep. Uh, I think I think I'm a good guy, all things considered. Well, we'll see. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so Matt, can you give us some background on how old you are and where you're from? Yeah, I'm 29 years old from New Jersey. 
Awesome. Which part of Jersey? Not that I like know anything, but um, Morris County. Okay, cool. So like north slash kind of central. Very cool. Yeah. I'm not like. Is there such thing as a Jersey accent? Because I don't feel like there is. <laughs> some people say that there is, but um, maybe in some of the words that I say or some of the phrases, something comes out. But I think for the most part, it's a normal enough accent. I don't think I have anything too uh, unique. Yeah, that's fair. And I have to ask, because we are into astrology a little bit, when is your birthday? June 15th. I'm a Gemini. A Gemini. Do you feel yeah. like you're a Gemini? I mean, do you know anything about what that means? Two sides, right? Mm-hmm. In some ways, maybe. I think to a, to a certain degree, I probably, I probably have some of those traits. But uh, for the most part, I think I'm relatively normal and sane. Okay. I think that Geminis get a bad rep and I don't think that they're like all the Geminis I've come across are just really smart and interesting mm. and might have a um, short attention span, but that's about it. <laughs> that's probably very accurate for me. Yeah. I think it's a good <laughs> description of me so, from a young age too. Interesting. Interesting. And we'll, we'll get into all of that. And so yeah. Matt, what's your current relationship status? I am in a relationship. I think the last time we spoke, it was like the beginnings of, of seeing someone. So is this the person that you are now dating? It is. Yeah. Congratulations. Is. Thank That's you. That's so cute. Yes. Yeah. So tell us a little bit of that journey. So how did you meet this person? How did you know that you wanted to take this person seriously as a partner? I think it's okay that I can talk about this stuff. I don't know if I should ask her if this is cool, but... We met at a pool party in Miami. Not really a pool party. We met at a pool in Miami. Okay. Um, I went there with one of my buddies, one of my best friends. I had been dating, not really dating, not really looking for anything either. And um, so, you know, we went and it was just a very low-key day and uh, happened to literally sit next to these two girls and one of which is married and we hit it off. You know, we had a good time in Miami, like went out and stuff and... I really wasn't expecting things to go where they went. I'll be, I'm going to be honest. I kind of thought in my, in my head, like maybe from past relationships or just like experiences, like it was just going to be like a little fling or something like that, if it was even going to be that, you know, and um, there's a big distance factor right now. And I definitely didn't envision it to go where it's going currently. That's so interesting because my good friend, her name is Tinks, or that's the name that she goes by on the internets. Mm -hmm. And um, she's amazing. She She's a big TikTok star and has a big Instagram following. And she has this theory that it's called the box theory. And the theory is essentially that when a guy meets you, he's already put you in a box. And like, you can't really get out of that box. So what you just described to me kind of negates that theory in a way, right? Because you said you thought that this was going to be a fling when in reality, it ended up being somebody that you made your girlfriend. Mm -hmm. So how did that transition? Um, yeah. So I, all right. So for me, I had been hurt many times in the past, many times. And um, I think uh, maybe inherently to some degree, I just was like, kind of worried because I saw something. I definitely saw something with her. Hit it off with her right right away. The connection was very unique, is very unique. So I go back home. She goes back home. And, um, you know, we're like talking and stuff like that. And, and it's continuing. And she was like, you know, you should come visit. 
Where is home for both of you? I'm currently in New Jersey. She's in Nevada, Vegas, right outside of Vegas. Okay. Yeah. So like right now for me, like I'm traveling a lot. I have like a bunch of things coming up for the paperback that's coming out in August. So I've been like all over the place. I haven't really had like, I mean, I have a home, but like I haven't really been in a central location for a long period of time recently. And luckily for me, a lot of things are remote and on Zoom and stuff. So it makes my life a lot easier. But, um, we're, you know, we're on the phone doing FaceTime, all that stuff. And, you know, I, I kind of just brought it up. We were mutually discussing it. And I was like, listen, like, um, it's about like a month or month and a half in. I was like, listen, like, you know, I would kind of want to make this more of an exclusive thing. I'd rather have this conversation in person, obviously, but um, I want you to know that I'm seeing where this is going. You know, I'm going to play it out. And, uh, and she was on the same page. And then um, I went out there and visited her and we had a great time and things just continue to go in this positive direction. And for me, like I have all these things on my plate right now. You know what I mean? I wasn't looking for anything. I was, I, I've been single for about a year and I wasn't looking for anything serious. You know, like I, I wasn't really, I'm not on any, I was never really on dating apps. I just kind of wanted to find someone organically and just, I don't know, see where it went, you know? And, um, we were on the same page with a lot of it. And then she wanted to come out here. I mean, I wanted her to come out here too. And so she recently came and visited and stuff and we were in New York and, you know, and just kind of playing it out and seeing where it goes. That's really cool. And it's also like, it says a lot that you're starting long distance with this person. And it's very much of the, like, you know, he, if, if he wanted to, he would type of thing. And clearly you like her enough to pursue something, even when it's long distance, just some, some details. So is she your same age? A couple of years older. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And have you, I know it's soon and you don't have to share, but like, have you had any thoughts or conversations with each other about kind of an end game if, if you do continue? You mean in terms of like the distance? Yeah. Like if one person's going to move or how that would work? Yeah. I mean, right now, like I said, like things are, we're kind of going with that. We have an idea, I think, relatively of, of what we'd want in the future. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really fresh, you know, so it's been almost like three months. And so the way I've kind of envisioned it is like, all right, you know, we'll do the visiting stuff for now, blocks of time and continue. And it's just so ironic because I never really wanted to do a long distance relationship. Right. I don't think anyone really wants to do it, but I guess I can, you know, say it again. Like, yeah, I I see something with her, you know? And um, for me, it's just, I I didn't want to, I'm not looking to be, out in the, like playing the, playing the games, you know, and like out in the field and like trying to like have fun. I I never been that type of guy. I'm going to be honest. I never really have, but at the same time, you know, I was like, all right, I want to be single. And when I was, well, when I was single, I said to myself, I need to really focus on what I want in the future out of a partner, what I want for myself. And I also needed to do a lot of personal growth too. You know, um, Mm -hmm. there was things that I needed to work on. And so I don't know. I guess now where I, where we, we've kind of both had the discussion of, all right, like we're going to see where it goes. But I think subconsciously we both kind of agree, like we'd want to be in, in a nearby enough place soon. Yeah. And I like that. I mean, I'm just assuming based on what you've told me, but I like that like dating someone older isn't like intimidating to you because I feel like a lot of men when they're like nearing 30, um, at least like this is how like my boyfriend was before he met me. 
he would like consistently date younger because it was like the pressure was off, you know? And it shows mm. that like you are prepared for a possible end game if, if it works out with this person, which is really mature, I think. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, I, I do want marriage one day. I want all that stuff. I am. I consider myself young enough where I'm like, all right, listen, I I'm not rushing anything. You know, I'm not rushing into anything. I'm not I'm not trying to move too fast. You know, but then again, it was you know where I kind of stood with it was I have no desire to be trying to force a lifestyle on myself that has not never been for me. You know, and the fact of the matter is, I saw something, felt something, and I was like, listen, I'm gonna just see where it goes, and if it doesn't go anywhere, it doesn't go anywhere. But at least I know I tried. You know? Yeah, that's the best attitude to have with dating. I want to talk a little bit about your book. There's a lot in there and mm -hmm. a lot that you have personally gone through yeah. that I'm sure a lot of people can relate to or take something from. What inspired you to write the book? And you know, I'll let you say it. Um, like, what are the the things that? Yeah, you were writing about. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of the stuff in my story played and, and still does play a role in my dating life, you know, um, talking about these things openly. Yeah. So my story is about what starts off really about the loss of my dad in 9-11, really what sets it apart, I think, from a lot of people's experience. I, I know many people who've had similar experiences with death in general, but I was really fascinated by, I wanted to figure out what happened to my dad. He worked in the North Tower of the World Trade Center. And I didn't really know much more than that he died, you know? And the idea that started floating around in my head was that maybe he jumped, like many people on those upper floors. And so that, that obsession of mine led to me um, being sexually abused by someone in my family, an uncle through marriage. And as a straight male, uh, at the time I was, you know, I just was a freshman in high school. I went to an all boys prep school. and. Um, there was just, in my mind, there was no way I could talk about that, right? Yeah. As I got older, I also said, there's no way I could talk about this because, listen, I have plenty of friends who are gay. So I have no discrimination or anything like that. But I was like, everyone's going to label me in a certain way. Like, all these girls are going to make fun of me. Uh, people are going to make fun of me in general. And it was just part of being a victim, you know, and the shame that is associated with that. And so in many ways, I wanted to cope by numbing the pain. And I used drugs and alcohol for, for years to do that. Actually, God willing, this Saturday I'll have six years. Amazing! Congratulations! Yeah, it's just it's been a whirlwind of a ride to say the least. But yeah, as I got older, in college especially, I never talked about it. I never talked. I think I talked about it with one ex girlfriend. I mentioned it briefly about my uncle, but I never really went into too much detail. And maybe I was drunk or something. I don't really recall fully, but I don't think maybe she took it seriously. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But now that my story is out there, you know, I've kind of been thinking in my mind, I'm like, oh, like, are girls going to look at me in a different way? Or are people who knew me or know me going to look at me in a different way? And the complete opposite has been the case. You know, people respect the vulnerability. Everyone is always asking me how the hell I work out almost every day. And I will let you guys in on a little secret. It has 100% everything to do with the outfit. Like if I love my workout set, 
I want to work out because I'm like, I love what I'm wearing. It looks so cute. I can make a little video. I'll take a little picture of myself, like motivation. And one of my favorite active wear brands is Girlfriend Collective. Not only because their stuff is so cute. I love their shorts and sports bra sets, but because it's also insanely sustainable, like to the point where you feel like an environmental goddess wearing it because they recycle all of their materials to make their clothing. Their shipping is 100% recyclable and all of the materials they're using are recycled materials to begin with. It's incredible. They also have a garment take back program called Re-Girlfriend. So if you're done with your pieces, you can just send them back to be upcycled into new girlfriend gear, making another amazing person happy with their set from girlfriend. So if you're not feeling motivated, get yourself a set and get to it. For listeners of the show, Girlfriend Collective is offering $25 off your purchase of $100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com slash Acme. That's $25 off your $100 or more purchase when you go to girlfriend.com slash Acme. Girlfriend.com slash Acme. Order your set and tag me in it. I would love to see it. It may officially be September. But that doesn't mean that hot girl summer is over at all because hot girl fall is just beginning and hot girl fall can only exist if you're feeling confident in yourself. For me, a big part of that comes from knowing that I know how to pleasure myself. Like it's just a big thing. If I know that I can do it on my own, then I'm confident doing it with a partner or you know, another person. And the reality is the only way that you're going to be able to turn other people on is by turning yourself on. If you haven't heard of Dipsy, it's an audio app full of short, sexy stories that are actually designed to like get you off. And it's very chic. It's not like just some gross website. No, it's these beautiful, thoughtful stories. Maybe it's like a hometown crush or like a lifeguard rescuing you at the beach, a camp counselor. Whatever you're into, Dipsy actually releases new content every week. So get on it and start choosing your amazing stories to get you off because you deserve it. Also, Dipsy has wellness sessions, sensual bedtime stories, and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. I don't know about you, but masturbating is like the only way that I can get a good night's sleep. Like just do it before bed. For listeners of the show, Dipsy actually is offering you an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash Acme. That's 30 days full of access for free and free masturbating essentially when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash Acme. Go to dipsystories.com slash Acme today. You won't regret it. Trust me. It's so interesting to me that your initial thought was like, girls are going to make fun of me. I mean, I don't know if that's like a of that time thing, but if something like that came out today and like you were of that age, I'd imagine that if anything, girls would be so attracted to that vulnerability and so amazed that this kid was in touch with their emotions yeah. and knew that what was going on wasn't okay. And you know, it is definitely telling of like how far we've come in terms of having these conversations and 
understanding like what people go through. And and I have so many questions for you, but I'm just really curious yeah. if you feel comfortable disclosing, like where does your relationship stand with that person today with that uncle? Are you in touch with them? Are they still part of your family? No. No. So I ended up coming forward about it. To who? Uh, well, I went to, I first spoke to my dad's brother, my uncle, who I'm very close with. I told him <clears throat> and um, we told my mom together. I was about seven months sober. And they're actually really what, what happened. I'm not going to go into too much um, 12 step stuff, but I was doing my fourth and fifth step. And um, I started talking about it. I got a phone call from one of my brothers, my younger brothers. I'm the oldest of four boys. And the phone call scared me. Because what it started to seem like was this guy was trying to do this to them. So I reached out to him because he was still reaching out to me. You know, I was trying to be as, I don't want to even want to say cordial, but I didn't want anyone to think anything or question anything or even get any idea that something happened. Right. So um, I think that's what took many people by surprise was the fact that even though at times I would want to, if I would see him at at an event, I would talk to him. Many times I would just be trying to avoid him. Right because I knew where the conversation was going to go. It would be him bringing it up and like, that's a whole nother discussion, but bringing it up and trying to apologize or no, not trying to apologize more. So like trying to normalize it and think like, you know, as I got older within two years after it happened, I I knew like, I I already knew to a certain degree it was wrong. I, I already knew what was happening when it happened, but I really couldn't process it because what had ended up happening was, I kept asking my mom who spoke to my dad and my uncle Tony who spoke to my dad if they thought my dad jumped. They would tell me the same answer, which was no. And that was the truth. And we, I found that out years later, but my mom knew. For whatever reason, she didn't tell me. And that's, you know, we've talked about that, but she, I think she knew even if she told me all the stuff that she was told by the medical examiner, I wouldn't have stopped. And that's just like part of the insanity that is for addiction. You know, I was addicted to this whole entire process of looking at the 9-11 footage and whatnot. Well, that uncle who, who did abuse me had been trying to, he was grooming me, but had been trying to break me down in other ways. He was telling me all these things that were, some of which were true, some of which were not about other family members, you know, ways to get me not to want to talk to my mom, ways to get me to not want to talk to my stepdad, all these things. And none of it worked. And then eventually... I asked him, I said, do you think my dad jumped? And he said, yeah, he did. First, he didn't even like answer the question. The first time I asked him, he kind of just like, like beat around the bush. Then the second time he just flat out told me, yeah. And in that moment, he was actually driving me home from soccer practice in high school. Like I just started high school. And that's like the first time that he actually did something, you know, he grabbed me and, and whatever. And so I felt like he was the only one I could talk to about this stuff. My dad, that's how it happened. And huh, I'm trying to think what else we, we were talking about before, but yeah, no, I had just asked, you know, what your relationship is like with him today. Right. So I ultimately come forward about it. I end up pursuing legal action. We go through this whole entire court process. He pleads guilty to one of the charges and then he, he gets a plea deal where instead of going away for 25 plus years, he went away for, he would be going away for five to seven. He ended up serving four. He got sentenced to seven years and served four. And he actually got out like a week before my book came out. I have not seen him, not talked to him. 
he can't technically reach out to me, but my relationship with that family is completely torn. Yeah. Um, is he nothing, still nothing married to no, your aunt? He's mm-hmm. Divorced. Divorced. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm so sorry that you went through all of that. You know, it's, I, I appreciate that. I mean, I, I don't talk about that stuff to garner any sympathy or anything. It's no, more, yeah. it's more of like, I know many men that I met in the rooms and stuff who talk about this and, yeah. and, and it's normalized. We, we talk right. about it because this stuff happens. I think to a certain degree in society, women discussing this stuff, it's accepted as it should be, but men are fearful of being vulnerable in certain ways. They don't want to talk about this stuff. I mean, for me, being straight and having a male do that to me, mm-hmm. it naturally affected me as a, as a yeah, kid. Yeah, of course. I mean, it makes you question everything. Right. I think I think it would also be different if a woman was assaulted by a woman. It would probably garner the same feelings. It's just that stereotypically, it's a man right. who does it to either men or women. And so... Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. And just um, for people listening who are like a little confused and might not know, like um, program speak, like when you're in a 12 step program, the rooms is just like a place where other people who are sober are. And the fourth and fifth step are just steps within your recovery that once you get through the 12 steps, you can then pass on the message to someone who's sober um, and it's and it's all part of the the healing process. And so, and then a lot of sober people have suffered from sexual abuse and childhood mm-hmm. trauma, and that's a lot of the reason a lot of people are sober. Um, I am sober, but I I haven't. And so that doesn't mean that you have to go through that stuff to be sober. But I think ultimately, a lot of the time, it comes down to wanting to escape something at the very least. And it's really amazing that you were able to, you know, six years ago admit that you were trying to escape something and, and get back in touch with yourself and heal from a lot of this stuff. And I'm sure you wouldn't have written or been able to write this book if you hadn't started yeah. that journey. So that's really amazing. And, you know, going back to the loss of your dad, we have tons of listeners who have lost a parent from one way or another. And I'm curious, you know, before your story was out there with this book, when you were dating... Was that something that you would bring up like on the first couple dates or because I know in the first few dates, sometimes they'll ask about your family and it's it's not yeah. meant to be like probing. But, you know, if if someone has had a loss like that can come up earlier. Where do you stand with that? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you one thing for sure. The the abuse never was a was a discussion. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, my dad. Yeah. In college. I went to a small, relatively small college. I went to Villanova and uh, everyone who I was closely associated with knew. And as I got older, I mean, listen, I, um, I really didn't have much dating experience until I got sober. I mean, I, I take that back. I had dating experience, but more of like casual dating, I guess you could call yeah, it. Yeah. Well, you were like in your early 20s. Yeah. And then so when I got sober, uh, I was in a long-term relationship for about four years. And she knew, we knew each other really well. We knew each other from growing up. So she already knew, but yeah, I guess you could say it does come up, you know, it would come up pretty naturally on like a first date. Yeah. What would your advice be to people who are dating someone who has lost a parent? Like how can they make 
you or that person, you know, feel more comfortable to talk about it? Oh, I, I think, uh, I don't know if I'm an anomaly with some of this stuff, but I, I find so much relief out of saying whatever it is, right? Like I like to talk about, I like to talk, I talk my, about my emotions, my feelings very honestly and candidly all the time. I think that if a person is going to judge you by stuff, something that you went through, that's out of your control, they're not meant for you. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't deserve to be meant for you, right. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think there should be no shame in saying, hey, I lost my mom or I lost my dad and you know, going into it. I mean, some people don't like to disclose certain things early on, and I get that. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of value in being honest. You, know, you really get to know yeah. someone by kind of knowing their background a little bit. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who lost her mom years ago. And when she goes through a breakup or something like that, it's really hard for her to completely cut that person out of her life because of having lost her mom once and like having lost someone in her life. It's hard for her to let go of like other people mm. in her life, if that makes sense. Do you think that that's something that you can relate to or do you keep in touch with exes or, or cut them off once it's over? I've had a few relationships that did not end well. There's really no communication there. To a certain degree, I like to have, I, if I can be cordial with an ex that I spend some time with and really share some personal stuff with, I don't think it's the worst thing. Now, that's not to say we're grabbing coffee, you know, every month, but I am in maybe in a weird position too, because losing my dad at a young age made me very protective of my mom. And so I looked at women with this like hierarchy where I, I, I appreciated women and respected women. I always have. When I was active with addiction, even if I was, I don't want to even want to say mistre- mistreating a, a girl I was with, but just being a bad person, they still could see the person who I was intrinsically. They could still see I was a good guy. Like I had a couple girls who I dated in college. They read the book and all this stuff posted about it and whatnot. And we had a conversation about it. And, and there was one I was talking to because I owe her an amends. And, um, and she said, listen, like, I know you were a good guy. I know you are a good guy. And I, you know, I don't fault you for anything, you know, I never like cheated on anyone or anything like that, but just being in the, in the, in the grips of addiction, you know, I, mm-hmm. I would ditch them to go pick up or, you know, to, to go get drugs. I would just things like that, like things that a, a girl and, you know, a younger enough girl should not be dealing with, you know? Yeah. I have two questions that are a little, um, a little more intense. So again, just let me know if you don't feel comfortable. The first one is, you know, you had this obsession with finding out exactly what happened to your dad. You Mm -hmm. found out that he didn't jump, you know, as someone who grew up in the city and was in the city during 9-11. I am definitely fascinated with a lot of these stories as well. You said you ultimately did find out what happened. Um, Are you comfortable telling us? Yeah. He was presumably in the staircase when the building collapsed. Um, now, I don't know how long he was in there for. What I know is that he was alive literally one moment and then gone the next. And what they said to my mom, we had a family friend, neighbor, who was a dentist, and he was helping identify people by their dental records. When they found my dad, they found him very quickly. So one indication that made me as I got older and a little bit more accepting that he probably wasn't a staircase was that they found him three days later and they found him 
essentially where, like, I guess the core of the building and the staircase is the core of a building. And so when they did find them, our neighbor made a call because really when they found people in ground zero, it was a mass labeling of uh, death by multiple blunt force trauma, which is what was on my dad's death certificate. They still did autopsies to a degree, you know, it wasn't detailed always. And so he made a call and the lady, the medical examiner then called my mom and told her very detailed information, you know, and, and basically said that he probably got hit in the head as the building, like when the building collapsed, he got hit in the head by something strong and was, it was painless. Okay. Well, that's comforting to know that he didn't, you know, suffer more than he had to, but, and, and it's good to have a closure of sorts about that. You know, I, like you, am extremely curious and Mm -hmm. I like to be a little bit of a detective myself. So I imagine that I would be doing the same things and asking the same things. Yeah. My second question is just a little bit about your addiction before Mm -hmm. your sobriety. We have a lot of listeners who are sober curious and I talk about being sober, but I don't do it like that often in every episode. Mm -hmm. You mentioned leaving a girl to pick up drugs. Like what kind of drugs are we talking about here? Maybe somebody listening can identify with some sort of addiction that you went through. So I was addicted at my height to opiates, benzos, benzodiazepines, and uh, cocaine, weed, and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Now, I talk about alcohol. My friends who are very close to me will be like, oh, like, you know, towards the end, you didn't really drink that much. No, I really didn't drink that much because I was using so many narcotics that I, I pretty much didn't have a need for it. Now, when I didn't have any drugs, I would then supplement that with booze. Also, taking copious amounts of Xanax, it doesn't take much booze to black you out. Mm-hmm. So um, in college, I started doing painkillers. Uh, I was quickly addicted. I tried many times to stop. I couldn't. You know, I, I can go into all the details if you want of what I was doing. Pretty much anything you name, I, I essentially did it. And I was addicted to Oxy in college. And um, you know, there was times where like I was in withdrawal where a girl that I was with would be like, what is going on with you? Like, are you like sick? And I was like, yeah, I'm sick. And then like when I had, had enough strength to get out of there to go pick up, I would get better. And then she'd be like, Mm -hmm. what? So it was certainly perplexing to them. I mean, one incident was like, I got into a car accident on my way to go pick up in Philly. And I had this girl pick me up from the accident. It actually wasn't my fault. Ironically. Um, I got hit by a drunk driver and um, she picks me up. We go back to her house and like the next day I woke up and I was like, I I overslept. Basically, I was trying to go pick up. I couldn't get in contact with anyone. It was late. And then I overslept. And then next thing I know, I'm in withdrawal. And one of the girls who was living at the house was a nurse and was trying. She's like, oh, maybe he has a concussion. And like in my mind, I knew what it was, you know. So dealing with that in a relationship or just even casually dating was terrible. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like you have to center your entire life around having a substance in your body. And if you don't yeah. have it, there's no relationship to be had. It's awful. When you say pick up, like, how were you getting, like, you know, cause you can get painkillers over like the counter, like you can get a prescription. Were you picking up yeah. painkillers? Were you picking up Oxy, like Coke, or was it anything? In college, it was painkillers, Coke. But even with Oxy, 
the amount of oxy I was doing, it was like impossible that I would be getting a legal prescription. Like no doctor is going to give, even if I had like some super corrupt doctor, so hard to like try to swing that in the day and age that I started doing oxys, it was like everything was monitored finally by the pharmacies. Right. It wasn't like three years prior, four years prior where mm-hmm. you could go to Florida and get, go to these pill mills. So there so, were these like people who sold those like oh, yeah. you know, the same way like a dealer sells weed? Oh yeah. And it's, it's everywhere in New York. I mean, in New York, when I was working in the city in finance, I had delivery services. They literally would come up to your office or a block away, like an Uber. You get in and they'd have every single drug that you pretty much wanted. Concierge service right, right to your door. Apartment, yeah. office, wherever, you know? So did you have a moment that was like your rock bottom before getting sober? Yeah. I mean, my moment centers around my dad. I had no surprise there, but um, I actually was arrested uh, in November of 2014, charged with multiple felonies, all this stuff, and got put on probation in April of 2015. What felonies? I got, I, well, I had like uh, possession of right, controlled okay. substances, mm-hmm. con- possession with intent to distribute. A lot of them got kind of lowered and then, and then I got put on probation. So it was like, I got put on probation and they were like, you have to be basically clean and sober for a year. I didn't get clean and sober. So I got put on probation April 1st, 2015. And then literally on this day, July 22nd, 2015, I had my drug test with my probation officer. I had like a two month notice of it. And I used this detox mouthwash because I thought it was, I was told it was a mouth swab test. And I bought fake urine to use just in case I had to pee in a cup. And, um, so I use this detox mouthwash and it gives you clean saliva for about 45 minutes. I go in there, they had me sign all these forms and I'm literally looking, um, across the desk and I see like the mouth swab in the little bat and like the plastic like vial thing. And I was thinking in my mind, I was like, this is just going to be so easy. And then at the last minute, the lady asked me to go pee in a cup, which I did not bring the fake urine. So I pee in the cup, fail for all these things. And um, she literally says to me, you had a month notice at least, nearly a month and a half notice of this um, test. I don't know if this is a cry for help or you genuinely can't stop. And I was like, no, like I really do want to stop. I do. And she was like, I'll give you one more shot. If you come back in a month, I'll drop your charges. And if not, you're going to go to jail. And I went home and um, I had this spiritual experience, the sign from my dad. I wrote uh, about this in my book very openly. And um, I talk about this a lot in, in, in 12 step meetings and whatnot too, because this was my defining moment. I had this, I walked outside of my house. I looked up in the sky and you were in the city on nine 11. You remember how beautiful and clear it was. It reminded me just of that morning. I started crying and I said, dad, please give me a sign. I need help. And, um, when my dad passed away, my mom was told immediately look for the signs. And like the next night, on September 12th, this fly landed on her like nightstand and it just like would end up staying in our house for the next like six months. And that was like our sign. That was like my dad. My mom took that as my dad was not coming home. And so that fly was always around in the years to come. And like that, we kind of all would take that as like a visit from my dad. So in that moment in 2015, July, 2015, I asked for help. And this fly lands on this railing that I'm leaning against in the backyard on the deck. And I took out my phone and I filmed it. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to get help. I walked inside, 
called up a detox and I said, listen, I'm not sober right now. I need a bed tonight. And they said, we can't get you until Friday. I said, all right, fine. I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll book it. And then I wrote my mom this like long, long text. And I was like, call me when you finish reading this. And I said, all these, I admitted to all these things that it, she already knew, but I admitted to all of it. And I was like, I'm going to get help and been sober since. That's amazing. And that just goes to show one that those signs are so real. And I believe in that too. Mm -hmm. And two, that it has to come from you. Like it was never going to be someone else being like, oh, you need to do this or you're going to go to jail if you don't do this. It has to always come from, and this is, you know, something to note for anyone listening who might want to get help or who has a partner who would need help. It has to come from them um, because you're the only one that can help yourself, especially when it comes to sobriety. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, on, on a lighter note, um, <laughs> we have these poll questions that we do on our Instagram and they're really yes. fun. So I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. Okay. Go for it. Okay. Do you have to tell a friend that they won't be in your wedding party or can they just find out? So I actually was looking at, at the Instagram polls earlier. For me, tell them. Yeah. But like, what do you say? I only have limited experience in wedding parties. I was just in my first one two weeks ago. And I have like other friends who have gotten married recently where they didn't say anything. And like, I didn't think I was going to be in some of their weddings, but there was a couple that I was like, maybe I would be. Mm -hmm. And so like, kind of just like to find it out from like the other guys in the wedding party is like, you know, we're grown ups. like you can kind of, you can, you're not going to hurt my feelings, you know? Right. Right. I think you can just say something like, you know, I love you. I can't wait to celebrate with you you're not in my wedding party, but like, I hope that doesn't mean anything for our friendship because yeah. I can't wait for you to be there or something. Right. Is it a bad sign if you don't want your partner to meet your parents or is it valid because your parents or parent can be judgmental? I think you can go both ways with that. For me, I would say it's a bad sign if they don't want to meet your parents, no matter how judgmental people can be, parents can be. I always want to meet, you know, I want to meet the parents. I would want my girlfriend to meet my mom. Like, I think it's important. You can't mm -hmm. like, you know, and especially my mom is such an integral part of my life too. So if girl doesn't want to meet my mom. She could pretty much assume that it's not going to work out. Yeah. Agreed. Do you think after a breakup, you should give yourself time to heal or get back on the horse and start dating right away? I think you got to give yourself time to heal. If it's a messy breakout, I mean, look, you can, people want to go have fun, whatever, maybe a one night stand or something like that is kind of normal, but like, I think you need to heal personally. Yeah, I don't. But the only reason I don't is because as long as you're transparent with the people that you then date, I think it's okay. Yeah. If someone says help yourself to anything in the fridge, does that actually give you free reign to everything or are there still some rules? Hmm. I, okay, we don't drink. So for us... Mm -hmm. I don't really know how I would even value that or like view it for drinking standpoints, but like- I guess eat all the food. I would eat all the food if they say, yeah, like you <laughs> yeah. can have, like if there's like a bunch of fruit in there, I'm going to eat it. Yeah. Do you reach out to someone's parents that you're really close with after a breakup? Just, just like, you know, <sighs> or just leave it be? Um, yes, I've done that. Interesting. They did not respond. I just think it's so awkward. Like even if your intentions are so good, it's like, uh, this is my child. I can't just like respond to you and be like, yeah, like miss you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if your friend is cheating on their partner, do you have to intervene? Yeah. 
you do. Yeah. But then again, like they're grown up and they're making their own decision. Like, what are you going to, like, I'm not going to tell their girlfriend that they're doing that. Yeah. In a long distance relationship. Well, actually we just talked about this, so I know what you're going to say, but if someone wants to make it work, will they? Yes. If you've grown apart from a close friend and they're, cause they're immature or not your vibe anymore, possibly for us because of like, you know, they were a drinking buddy perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, would you tell them why or keep the distance to avoid hurting their feelings? You got to tell them why. That's in my experience. I tell them why. Yeah. I, I feel like it depends on if they can handle it or not. That's true. Yeah. Some people aren't mature enough to handle that. Right. I kind of cut people off naturally when I first got sober too. Yeah. Me too. Is it a red flag if they ask how many people you've slept with? Um, That's a great question. I don't know. Like I feel like Yes and no. I feel like sometimes you kind of, if a girl wants to know if you're like a man whore, if I'm being like honest, I think that's somewhat fair. But those conversations have kind of come up naturally for me in past relationships. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's a good thing or a bad thing, honestly. Yeah. I, I don't talk about that with my partner, but. Yeah. Okay. You broke up with someone because they told you they weren't sure they loved you the same way that you loved them. Now they want to get back together and that they were just overthinking things. Give them another chance or stay broken up? Stay broken up. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. They just want what they can't have. That's right. Um, and they probably tried to play, see what was out there and they weren't happy and then they come back. Exactly. And they don't deserve you. Nope. Um, how long does it take you to figure out if you're genuinely interested in someone that you're dating three to four dates or five to seven dates? Hmm. I'd say three to four dates. Yeah, I agree. Even sooner. Yeah. Okay, cool. Matt, you have been awesome to talk to. And I think your story is going to resonate with so many people. Do you have a quote or piece of advice? Maybe it's something from your book that you can share with our listeners. I uh, call me off guard with that. Um, sober quote or just like a general quote? General, anything. All right. I guess I can give you one from my book. No matter how far you sway, you can always pick up the pieces and stand tall. But something along those lines, I can, that's like how like I quoted, I wrote it on the back cover. Mm-hmm. It was something like that. It was like basically about being able to like rebuild. You can always rebuild. You can always, same way they did with the Freedom Tower. I, I look at that as symbolic in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah. But I said some. I don't know if I said sway or no matter how far away you stray from home, you can always pick up the pieces. Like, I think the message is clear regardless. Where can everybody find you, follow you, and read sway? Instagram, Twitter. I'm trying to build out a more active following, but I'm more I'm more active on uh, on Instagram. My handle is, and this is something I probably I'm thinking I'm going to change. It's Matty Bosch, M A T T Y B O C H. If you search Matthew Bosch, I'll pop up to buy the book. Most people are buying it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's in a lot of, it's in like more local bookstores now in New York, Connecticut, and Jersey and random other states. Uh, I'm really trying to get a bigger presence in more uh, national, like local bookstores. I really want to hit some of those. Cool. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you. 